evening. Welcome to the Fish Cast. My name is Corey Long. As always, joined by the proprietor, the uh, leader of the Fish Cast himself, Charles Fishbine. How you doing, Fish? Doing good, man. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, as always, only the most illustrious guests show up on the Fish Cast. And today, we're excited to have really a forever friend of the program. Even though it's his first time on, he's always a friend of the program. Rutgers head coach, Greg Shiano. How are you doing, head coach? I'm doing great, Corey. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Are you enjoying your uh, second stint at Rutgers? I am. Good place, great people, and uh, it's good for me to be home. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about Really, we're going to talk about a lot of your career, including your, your first then at Rutgers, which was 11 seasons where, you know, you really were able to take the program up to tremendous heights. And, you know, and of course, you know, you spent time at Miami as a defensive coordinator when they were on the uh, cusp of winning a national title, uh, time at Ohio State, and now back at Rutgers again. You've definitely had a – it's been a very eventful, I would say, 20 or so years in what's been a – a coaching career that spans well over 30 years. Well, you're right, man. It's my 35th season coming up. So it's been a heck of a ride and uh, man, it just feels like it just getting started. So can't wait. This, uh, this chapter of Rutgers football is going to be special. Coach, I'm going to jump in. One of the things I remember when we first met, I met you a long time ago at Columbus high school was the first time we met. Uh, you had just started the satellite camps. You know, you were at University of Miami. You got you had a ton of success. You had a ton of top players. You took the Rutgers job. You're from New Jersey. Can you tell us a little bit about like when you stepped on that field for the first time at Rutgers? <laughs> what your thoughts were? Were like, were you like, did I make the right decision? Or what were the players like at Rutgers at that time? Well, Fish, you know the answer to that because I've told this story many times. <laughs> Look at you laughing. That ain't right. <laughs> I had come from a place, right, the University of Miami, where, where Corey said we were on the brink of winning national championships, and the athleticism was was spectacular. And I'll never forget the first workout we had in our indoor. Um, my my strength coach lined up two lines, and and the, you know one was line, and the other was skill and big skill. Well, you know I figured when he I turned my back to do something and he blew the whistle and I hear boom, boom, boom. But it sounded like a, a stampede. And I was like, Oh, that must be the lineman. And when I turned around, I saw it was the skill guys. I said, all right, we may have a little more work here to do. And the reason that I laughed at the time was Chuck Pagano had come up to me, you know, Chuck went later, went on to coach in the NFL and Chuck was our secondary coach at Miami. And he came up to me during warmups and uh, we were playing somebody from up north. I won't say the name of the team. And he goes, man, don't don't do that, man. You go to Rutgers, you, you know, it's going to look like that pat and go over there. And I said, you know, shut up, you wise guy. Well, that immediately came to my head. But you know what? It was fun. We had a lot of work to do. And that was the beginning. I knew right then and there that we uh, we had our hands full. But man alive, what a great journey it was the first time. And now. I just, I am so much looking forward to this. We are going into our third season. We have a lot of good players, good young players in the program, and we've established the culture. So it's exciting, man. It's, uh, we're on the brink of something here. 
listen, if you had had the you know transfer portal back then, you probably would have played with about 35 players that first year. <laughs> <laughs> so now, nah, but you know, that's just one of the, I, I had to bring it up because it's such a great story, but um, you know, you know, you were the first one um, pretty much to bring, you know, the whole satellite camps and that's how I originally met you. Where did you come up with that whole idea of the satellite camps and why did you guys do them? You know, we had a, we had a young staff and we didn't know what we didn't know, but we just knew we were going to work hard and we were going to do everything we could to uncover players. And, you know, you look at that staff guys that were on there, Mario Cristobal, who, you know, everyone down your way knows very well now back at the university of Miami, but he came with me from Miami and we were just young, aggressive guys that were trying to figure a way to get some players and uh, satellite camp seemed like a great idea. We wanted, we wanted to recruit Florida uh, and specifically South Florida. So we came up with a plan and, you know, we did it every year. We had uh, camps in, in, uh, in what was it been? Dade Broward and Palm beach. And then we always did one in Hillsborough County as well. So four days, four camps. And uh, boy, that was very, very fruitful for us. One of the first things I always remember is, you know, you had put up the highlight film of you guys the first year, the second year. And you always spoke when you spoke to recruits and these coaches down there, you told them, listen, not only are we going to build Rutgers up and win, you would talk about big things like national championships and I was there from the beginning. I, I always remember, that's why I always remember where you guys were at and how far of a climb you had to make. Um, and I was there on the sideline of the Louisville game and everything you had said came true. And I remember the joy of you guys on the sideline, the coaches celebrating. A lot of people didn't believe you could do that. What, you know, you, you take a program like Rutgers that hadn't won and one of the toughest things you have to do is you have to convince kids because, you know, they have this, I hate to say it like a loser mentality that when things go wrong, they revert back. How did you overcome that and get Rutgers to where you guys got that night against Louisville? Well, I'll tell you, so much of it had to do with South Florida players. You know, when I got to Rutgers and and we started the recruiting efforts, it was not cool. If you were from the Northeast, it was not cool to go to Rutgers. So I said, forget that. You know, they wanted us to take their twos and threes and fours and, you know, eventually so we could get the ones. I say, you know, that, that's gotten three coaches before me fired. I said, now we're going to – if your best players aren't going to come to Rutgers, then we're going to go somewhere where, you know what, we know people and there's a lot of great players. And we really recruited – at one point we had 39 out of our 85 scholarship players were from South Florida. So, I mean, literally we built this program. Then once we started winning – now the Jersey, New York kids, now it became cool to come to school at Rutgers and then watch out. That's when the things really took off. But I've said it every time when I, when I visit with people from, from the state of Florida, we built this program with Florida players. There's no doubt. I, I remember going up to your camps and sitting with those New Jersey coaches and they were always like, those, Hey, we'll come here. Once you prove we win. And I used to sit there and go, wait a second, how are you expecting this guy to win unless you, it's like they always wanted to see it first. And then once it happened, all of a sudden, you know, you got, you know, the off Anthony Davis's and those guys to come, you beat out Ohio state for those guys. And that's what impressed me that you were willing to be patient and build it the way you did and not get frustrated. I think a lot of times you could get frustrated as a coach that these guys are like, Hey, listen, we're going to only come when it's good for us. And you were able to overcome it. Well, rest assured, Fish, I got very frustrated at times 
but you know, there was no choice, right? We had to, we had to get the best players we could. We're a developmental program. So that's one thing that I take great pride in is look, we identify our guys. We don't use any services and we don't nothing against the services. I know that's how you came up in the, in the ranks fish, but we do our own evaluations and services and word of mouth is all part of it. But what I've told our coaches over the years is you recruit and evaluate with your eyes. You watch the tape, you go to the scrimmage, you go to the game. You know, there's an old saying, come early, stay late. You make your own luck. And, uh, you know, you remember us down there on Memorial Day Friday in South Florida at a scrimmage at four o'clock at Norland High School. Oh, yeah. Everyone else was trying to get out of there. My, my whole thing with our coaches is come early and stay late. And, man, you get lucky when you do that. Oh, there's no question. And the one thing you guys did, you, you have, you've got a, you know, the Eric Fosters and those guys that you had built that weren't the highest ranked kids. You believed in your development. And the one thing that's always impressed me with what you guys did at Rutgers is from the evaluation standpoint is you found the McCordy twins. You found the Brian Leonard's. You found the Ray Rice's. You found all these kids and developed them. How, what made you guys be able to do that? Unlike other schools. So a lot of schools want to find, those five and four star kids, you actually went out and found the diamonds and the roughs. Where did, how are you guys able to do that to the level you guys were able to at Rutgers the first time? Well, I think fish, it's all about having a long game approach to things, right? I look at it as if it's a pipe and you got to fill that pipe with five years worth of players. So the sooner you get started, the sooner it's going to get filled. And then once the pipeline is full and you're developing them at a consistent rate, it starts coming out the other end and then it's end. then it just keeps going. And, you know, had, had we not left to go to, to go to Tampa Bay, I'm convinced we'd be in a, in a spot that would really be a lot of fun, but we did it. So there's no, you can't rewrite history, but uh, we're, we're filling that pipe now. And, and we're, we're, we're working on our fourth class right now, the 23 class, there'll be one more after that. And then that pipe will be full. And, and I'm looking forward to it because we have the best strength coach in America. Right. And our strength and conditioning program, I'll put that against anybody in the country. That's a huge part of the secret sauce to our development. And uh, right now our team has changed. I mean, it is something to watch how they slowly, you know, there's a, over a long period of time, it happens all of a sudden, all of a sudden you start looking, Oh my goodness, look at these guys. It's starting to happen right now. And uh, it's exciting. Hey, you talk about all right, yeah, go, Corey. It's your turn. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wanted to go. It's all good. I was thinking a couple of things. You know, I, we talked before in, uh, in the pre-show interview that I had uh, I met you back in 2006 at Middleton High School in Tampa before the 2006 season, which was, you know, an amazing season, 11 wins, top 15 finish. You finished up, you know, your time at Rutgers, you won five bowl games in the final six seasons. You had that 11-win seasons, a couple eight-win seasons, a couple of nine-win seasons. When you came back, things had changed. They were now in the Big Ten, which, as we know, it's 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 a beast. The Big Ten is a is is a fight every week. You you came back in kind of a similar situation to the one that you entered to in two thousand one, where the roster needed a lot of work. Um, did you find that when you were, you know, did you find that the Northeastern coaches were a lot more receptive to you this time around? given that you had already shown that you could take Rutgers to, you know, you can take Rutgers to some serious heights. Well, I think for sure, Corey, I mean, like we have tremendous relationships with the high school coaches in this area. And I'd like to think we have some credibility right after 
the things that we did here the first go around. And unfortunately, you know, uh, the program kind of slid after we left. And at first it was gradual and then it became real extreme. Um, so, you know what, nothing you can do about that other than just get back to work. And to me, it's all about filling that pipeline. And as you're filling it, you're developing those kids. And, you know, when they know you care about them and you're willing to work with them and uh, they, they really become very, very loyal and very, very huge part in the recruitment of future prospects because they're not afraid to share how much they're cared for here. And, you know, what I've seen at other programs sometimes is they're not afraid to share. You know, I've had guys tell me that a kid at their program told them don't come here. So, man, that's a nightmare if that starts happening, right? So I, I think it's important that our guys know they're loved. They know they're going to get developed. And uh, you hit it on the head. We play in what I believe the greatest conference in, in college football. It's that sweet spot, that intersection between the biggest level of football and great academics. That's one thing about the Big Ten, all those schools. I mean, they are AAU universities. They're top of the line, state research institutions. Uh, it's, it's really cool. You talked about the process of how you got there the first time. How close do you think you guys, you, you made it to a bowl game last year. How close do you think you are to getting over the hump this second time? Well, like I said, I really believe in the process of filling that pipeline with players because some of them, you know, the guys that are just about ready to come out of that pipeline, they're fully developed. And at the beginning of that pipeline, there's still young guys that need to get physically developed, need to get developed as football players. So we're, you know, we're filling that pipeline and we're getting better. And, you know, who knows right now in the age of college football, if you, if you can effectively use the transfer portal, you can accelerate that a little bit, as long as you're not losing guys in the portal at the same time, NIL has made it a whole different game. So, I mean, the landscape of college football has changed immensely in the last two years and uh, probably the biggest shift. It's a seismic shift that uh, maybe in the last hundred years for all these things, you know, between NIL uh, transfer portal and the, the way these leagues are reshaping themselves, those are huge changes all happening at once. So, you know, as I've said to everybody, you, in this day and age, you have to adapt or die. And uh, we choose adapt. One of the things that's impressive, you talked about it. Not only have you done a great job of finding the players, you look at the coaches that have come through. You talked about Mario. You talk about P.J. Fleck. Uh, I know Jay Valai. You had Fran Brown just leave you. How have you been able to find – it's just like the players. How have you been able to find these great young coaches, developed them, and got to the point where these guys end up head coaches or coordinators down the road? Yeah, you know, Fish, that's – I've been very fortunate that way. And however it is, if it's research or just you got a good feel, I don't know, but – very, very fortunate. I've had a lot of great assistant coaches. Uh, and then this past, you know, before I came back to Rutgers, I was an assistant coach for three years at Ohio State. And I think that was really good for me because, you know, as you're a head coach longer and longer, I think it's easy to forget how hard it is to be an assistant coach. And to go back and do that, it's really fresh in my mind. And I try to help our guys any way I can. And I also, at this stage of my career, I'm trying to make sure that I help them reach their goals of being a head coach. So I'll, I'll be more free with what's going on, why we're doing what we're doing, sharing stuff with our staff. And I know they appreciate that because they work awfully hard. You know, uh, we work hard here. That's the way a developmental program has to work. And uh, I, I have a great staff. I'm, I'm indebted to them because they bust their tails. Corey.
Yeah, coach, you know, I'm and, and, and kind of, you know, sticking with my my end of things a little bit more on, you know, the, the overall holistic side of the program and you as a coach. When you when you talk about playing in the Big Ten, and we've had several coaches from the conference that have come on, our buddy Tom Allen in Indiana. And you just think about like a lot of the great coaches in the league, Kirk Ferentz, Iowa, Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, and and just, you know, P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. As a coach, knowing that you get to battle up against these really, you know, really great minds each week and, you know, week in and week out, it has to be very, not only challenging, but very exciting in a way to match wits against, you know, these are some of these are the greatest coaches in America that are coaching in the Big Ten. Well, there's no doubt. The big, like I said, I love the Big Ten Conference. I'm, I am, we're blessed as a university to be part of this league. And, uh, you know, it could have went the other way, but thank goodness it didn't. Thank goodness we're part of the league and, you know, to work and coach against these teams each and every week, the coaches, the players, you're talking about the best in college football. And you mentioned a few of them, but there's even, there, there's several more, right. And uh, it's a, it's a very competitive league, especially the big 10 East, which uh, we're a part of now. Now there's talk that those divisions may go away soon which uh, that would be fine to people like, Oh, you got to love that. I said, I really don't care. I, I, I love, I want to compete. I want to compete with the best. Cause I know that's what, you know, iron sharpens iron. And eventually when you, when you compete with the best, you become the best. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I was going to ask you. I wasn't sure now that you have USC and UCLA coming into the big 10, were they going to go to some smaller divisions and you guys are going to end up in a four group pod or five group pod. Uh, and there's going to be four divisions uh, or are they going to just open it up? And basically you play each other. You know, I think it's just going to be opened up fish because one of the things is they want, we want to make it as flexible as possible. So the TV people can get the matchups they want. Right. Because this thing, you know, TV people are paying us a lot of money to put this league together and to have this schedule that we play. And, you know, don't for a minute forget how important that is because that's what pays the bills for a lot of these athletic departments period. What, what, what these teams and a team like ours is getting from the big 10 at uh, substantial income. Right. One last thing you brought up the NIL before um, where you, like, where's your program at with the whole NIL thing? And uh, What do you guys, what's it all about at Rutgers? Well, you know, I think NIL is, is unique in that it has to fit the culture of your program. So I don't talk a lot about what we're doing and how much we're spending and how much we're, I just think that, you know, that it may be old school, but I like to keep that in-house. That's our business. We keep it private. I know this, that if you're going to compete at the major college level, at the highest level, you better have an NIL program that works. And uh, rest assured, we do. But uh, to me, it's still about caring about the players, developing the players, helping them become the best version of themselves, whether it's academically, athletically, on the field, off the field. You better have that NIL, though, because – Otherwise, you know, good feelings, good intentions. But if a player is going to make a serious uh, amount of money to go to a different school, you have to at least be able to step up and give them. You may not have to match it, but you sure as heck better be able to step up and get in the ballpark. But the good thing that has really come from all this is a great education for our players. Education about contract law, education about taxes. Right? So a lot of these kids didn't even understand what income tax was or is. Right Now they understand it thoroughly and that's going to be the important thing that that as this thing continues to move forward, that the players learn and grow at the same rate of speed that these NIL programs do.
Yeah, I saw that with one of the players. Uh, I think it was McKenzie Milton came out and he's like, hey, I didn't until I took one of these classes, I didn't even know what a W9 form was. So it's interesting that you brought that up. It's true. These kids, they're getting a lot of money. They got to know what to do with it so they don't get in trouble down the road. Uh, Corey, any other questions you got or? Yeah, I got you know, I wanted to talk a little bit more about, you know, you during your first time at Rutgers and, you know, through that first level of college football, you saw a lot of things happen. There was expansion, conferences changed, they changed names, they changed alignment. You know, I know Rutgers started out the Big East and it became the American. And, you know, now obviously they're in the Big Ten. There's so much movement happening right now. And different coaches have, some coaches express concern, some coaches express excitement about all of these things that are happening and what the quote-unquote future of college football is going to be. Do you do you think enough about it to from a day to day, you know, day to day to, to be excited or be concerned or you're a little of both? Like, how do you handle these changes? Because they seem to, you know, the minute one thing happens, it seems like the dominoes can fall three different ways after that. Well, that's a great question, Corey. And I'll tell you, I, I said it a little earlier. I I don't spend a lot of time thinking of it on the day to day because the job is so demanding but I am extremely grateful and feel very blessed that we're a member of the big 10 because you hit it on the head. We were in the big East, the big East kind of unraveled. And the next thing I know we're looking up and we're playing in the American athletic conference. And that's not to disrespect that league at all, but after 11 years of building this thing, you know, that's not really what I had signed up for. And it's one of the, one of the main reasons that uh, I found myself in a situation that I was willing to listen to some of those NFL teams. I had never wanted to listen to any of them before that um, because I didn't see myself as an NFL coach. I saw myself more appropriate in the college game. And uh, I kind of ran, I learned a valuable lesson. I kind of ran from something. I ran from the fact that Rutgers was kind of unfolding and uh, the league situation. And you know, it's the only thing in my career that I ever did that I wasn't truly prepared for that I didn't set out to do. And it didn't turn out the way I wanted. So, look, I'm really grateful that the Big Ten invited Rutgers a number of years ago. And we are in a great position right now to really I, everything in our program, at our school, the athletic department, everything is kind of on this upward trajectory. And uh, I'm just I'm really grateful that I'm part of it. You know, one last thing I was I came and saw you guys develop and have great facilities when you were at Rutgers. What have you guys done from that standpoint of has it changed a lot since I was there? I mean, I think the last time I was up there was four or five years ago. What have you guys done from that standpoint? Well, when we came back, we made some uh, some changes to the football facility. But right now we're in the midst of programming and laying out a new football facility, new indoor, new coaches' offices, everything, a new football operations center. So that's, uh, that is in the, in the process right now. And, you know, those things don't happen overnight, but it's it's coming and I'm looking forward to that. But our facility, you know, you can compete for a championship in our facility, no doubt about it. But when it comes to recruiting, we don't have maybe all the high ceilings and all that stuff that uh, gives gives a facility a certain feel. But we're getting there and we will uh, eventually be, you know, building and opening a new building. But right now it's all about to me, it's about getting the right people in this organization, getting the players uh, making them understand why this is the right place for them. And then the sooner you can get them here, the sooner you can develop them. Uh, Coach, 
my last question is just a little bit, I guess about a little bit more about recruiting footprint. When I, when I met you over 15 years ago, like you said, you know, y'all were heavy in the South Florida, y'all were really trying to build, you know, your program with players down here and, you know, hopefully, you know, getting players in other areas as well to, to compliment them. I, you know, watching your recruiting classes over the last couple of years, obviously you've done a very good job in New Jersey. Uh, I see, you know, some Ohio kids, and obviously you've built some relationships uh, during your time at Ohio State. The the Big Ten expands so wide, and with the California schools coming in, you're now literally looking at a coast-to-coast league. Obviously, you want to continue to recruit in the areas that you've recruited and had success in. Do you see that footprint continue to, ex- to expand? Do you, you know, do, do you, have you expanded that footprint? Do you continue to expand it from year to year to more states, more areas? You know, we have expanded a little bit into the Midwest, obviously because of the league we play in, right, in the Big Ten Conference. But the heart and soul of our recruiting area is always going to be the same thing. It's going to be what we call the state of Rutgers. And the state of Rutgers is New Jersey and everything that touches it, as well as the state of Florida. So, we will stay in that area. But now with being in the Big Ten, you know, we've got some players from Ohio. We've got some players from Indiana, from Illinois. And we're going to we're going to do that because we play football out there. And as you mentioned, UCLA and USC are coming into the league. If there's a connection, certainly we'll we'll go. You know, there's a lot of schools between here and Southern California that young people can choose. Uh, but, you know, you got to remember. We we are about 40 minutes outside of New York City, Right. You can fly in from anywhere in the country direct right into Newark, which is 25 minutes from our campus. So that part of it's easy. It's just you got to make sure that some part, and we know what that part is, just what I mentioned, the state of Rutgers, you have to know every single thing that's going on. After that, you can recruit a little bit more, quote unquote, cherry pick different areas. But in your area, whatever you consider to be your local area, you better have relationships. You better know who's who, and you better know who's coming up eighth grade, seventh grade, all the way up through high school. And that's what we pride ourselves on doing is really starting early, tracking these guys and building relationships. So it'll always be a combination. And the Big Ten Conference, I think, gives you a little bigger footprint to do that. Corey, I have a seventh grader for him to check out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if he's got your speed, Fish, I don't know. No, he got got my my wife's side. She's Italian and Irish Catholic. So she got he got that side, thank God, or he'd be asking you the your your son one day these questions. All right. So <laughs> but I, I remember just leaving. I remember after that camp that I met you at in 2006, you showed a video of uh, the 2005 season, which was first season that you got to a bowl at Rutgers and you know, mentioned all the you know the different Kids were coming back, Rice, uh, Leonard, all the and these other kids. And you said, and you know, and you learned, I remember you told the kids that we're coming. This program's coming. And then you went out and won 11 games. And I was like, all right, this guy's a prophet. This guy wasn't, this guy wasn't selling a bag of goods. You know, you go out, you talk the big game, and you went out and won 11 and two. And I have to say, props to you for that. I appreciate it, Corey. You guys have been good friends over the years. And, uh, I appreciate you having me on this podcast, Fish. Proud of you, man. You got your own f- podcast. Hey, man. I, hey, listen, I, Corey will tell you, man, I, I did things for everybody else. I thought, you know what? Let me do something for myself for once. But I really appreciate you coming on 
you know, you're a great friend of mine. And, and I, you, you remember, I was there for you at that, uh, out in Arizona, I came to your first bowl game ever. So hopefully <laughs> that always holds a little something to you. So, but I really appreciate you coming on. I know Corey do, did, uh, does it well. Uh, one last thing uh, that we all ask all our guests, uh, wh- how could recruits or parents social media wise follow you, uh, Coach Giano? Well, I'm probably the worst one in the history of coaches to ask about social media. There's a GA. I don't have it. All right? I don't, I'm not a big social media guy, but you know where we are. We're in New Jersey. You go online, you find Rutgers football. We got all kinds of sites and stuff and Twitters and all kinds of, uh, what do you call it, Instagrams and all that stuff. So don't worry, we got it all. I just update on it, Fish. We'll just say go to the official Rutgers football on Twitter account, which yeah. is Rutgers football. There you go. Well, thanks, thanks for everything, Coach. Man, I really appreciate it. I'll send you a link so you can put it out on all you know whatever you guys send stuff out on. And I, you know, I look forward to coming back up to New Jersey and hanging out with. You know, you I'm guys. coming up with you this time. You know, oh, yeah. I'm from I'm from New York. I'm from Brooklyn. I know where to go. All right, you hey. don't know where to go, fish. Hey. I know where Co- to go. Coach Yana, he listen, man. He'll Rutgers takes care of the fish, so we're in good shape. <laughs> fish is family. Fish is family. I like it. All right, man. Take, take it care, thanks, coach. guys. Take care. Bye. I tell you, Charles, it's such a you know, it was it was great because. That was really interesting when he talked about, you know, the conference, the conference change and the alignment that he felt like he was running away from something. That was a lesson that he learned. It's great. Oh, I think that was good. one of our best podcasts, dude. Yeah, that was great, man. That's a good, uh, that was a really good, um, good conversation. And once again, thank you, Coach Giano, for coming on. And, you know, we're giving more great content out there to the FNF Coaches Talk Network. Getting you the top coaches in the game, getting you that experience, getting you that knowledge. Hey, I, th- I, th- I think these college coaches can feel comfortable, man. We we don't we we make them feel comfortable. We put them yeah, in the chair. At first, and, and I think, at first, I think they thought we we're going to ambush them, but we don't ambush them. We it, don't so ambush them, man. We're you know we're friends of the program, so it's a good time. First, I got to thank our biggest friend of the program, our producer Justin Otto, who is. Knee deep in uh, I guess in, in, in the new Grand Theft Auto online game that was released, but since you know he'll take time away from playing to uh certainly help us out and uh, make sure this podcast gets produced well. Uh, as always, you can go online on Twitter. We are it's it's at Fish Podcast on Twitter, and you know once again, thank you to Coach Shiano, thank you to the FNF. Coaches Talk Network for providing us with this great distribution. We hope you enjoyed this. And and we'll be back real soon with some more great coaches, another great foot pitch cast. We got guests, we got all kinds of things planned because we are less than a month away from live college football and high school football and everything's happening. We we got another special guest on Wednesday. Yes, I'm going to tell you right now, we got a special guest coming later in the week. Are you uh have you been uh, hit have you have you hit some uh, training camp so far? I will hit some probably tomorrow. So today, I mean honestly, today's probably the first day. It's it's I doubt they're even in helmets, you know. So what's our what's this what is the schedule down here? Are they doing uh I'm assuming they're doing like kickoff classics on yeah, they'll do yeah, they'll gonna do the kickoff 12th the, or the, the 19th. I think it's um, 19th. 
the 19th. Yeah, it's the okay. 19th. Yeah. yeah, so then the regular season will start on the 26th. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So it's going to, everything's happening. Everything's happening. It's coming quick. Once we get into August, everything happens fast. Yeah. So, well, I appreciate again, it, man. Absolutely. Once again, thank you to Rutgers University, Coach Yana, for stepping on. Thank you to everybody for listening. And we'll be back real soon. Have a good night. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.